Hello and welcome to the fourth edition of the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's Friday, March 9th, 2018, and I'm bringing the Friday vibes to you. We're talking Dodger spring training baseball and everything involving the greatest sport ever invented. Yes, it's championship week for college basketball, and I could give a damn. I don't care that the ACC tournament's on behind me. I know that Duke won. That's the other team I root for passionately, but we're all Dodgers here. So let's start with the Angels-Dodgers matchup this week that brought all the attention to the forefront. Why? Not because it's Angels-Dodgers. I don't even really consider that a rivalry, by the way. One's in the American League, one's in the National League. Yeah, you hear the banter in Southern California between fans. Angel fans that are trying to talk smack to the Dodgers franchise, stop right there. Get out, take your 0-2 World Series, and go home. That's about all you're going to have forever. And thanks to you guys, you beat the Giants. Props to you. It was a big deal. One, because Clayton Kershaw was pitching. It's always a big deal. And two, Japanese phenom, two-way player, Shohei Otani, was DHing. This was the biggest matchup. Three-time Cy Young Award winner against the guy, 23-year-old, who's never had an official major league at-bat. So how'd that go? Uh, as expected, Kershaw throws that public enemy number one, strikes out Otani looking. Hilarious point in that. On Otani's way back to the dugout, Mike Sosha kind of gives Otani a look like, eh, Don't worry about it, kid. We know he's filthy. Everyone basically knows he's unhittable. After the game is where it got interesting. Clayton Kershaw's taking questions from beat writers. And he kind of has a pissed off tone when asked questions about Shohei Otani. He says, I could care less. He didn't pick us. Good luck to him. Interesting because why would he have that tone? Well, it comes out the next day. Andy McCullough of the LA Times writes an article titled Inside the Dodgers Failed Frustrating Bid for Two-Way Sensation Shohei Otani. He details the Dodgers' attempt to preach to this guy what the Dodgers organization could bring to the table. I don't know. What more do you have to say than, hey, we're the team that just won 104 games last year and fell one win short of the World Series. And I'm pretty sure you know about Jackie Robinson. And I'm pretty sure you know about the Brooklyn Dodgers. This is one of the most famous franchises in American history. No, the Dodgers brought face of the franchise Clayton Kershaw in. Brought in NLCS co-MVPs Chris Taylor and Justin Turner to the meeting. And in this article, Justin Turner and Clayton Kershaw literally say it was a big waste of time. They couldn't connect with this guy. They thought it was predetermined that he was going to sign with an American League team. Remember, six teams wanted this guy. Seven teams. Six teams from California. And Clayton Kershaw, on his wedding anniversary, flew from Dallas, Texas, to be a part of this. 
because he's a winner and he'd do anything to help the team win. That's what a face of the franchise does. But wouldn't you be pissed off too if you came to a meeting, had to tell your wife on your wedding anniversary, hey, I'm going to go to a meeting in Century City and I'm going to try to talk to this 23-year-old slash pitcher slash hitter to come play with the Dodgers. Because he needs to know that we won 104 games and came up one win shy of the World Series. And they want me to be there. I'd be pissed off too. I'd be furious. And Justin Turner went as far as saying it felt like it was, we might as well have been talking to a window. They could not connect to this guy. And Kershaw, while taking questions, and in this article says he blames the agent. It was a whole load of wasted time. And I just thought it was interesting because Clayton Kershaw, not one to really go into detail about anything. And he sounded pissed off. And the article comes out the next day. The Dodgers wanted this guy forever. Andrew Friedman, president of baseball operations, had been scouting this kid since high school. And this agent sets up a meeting. He says it wasn't predetermined. Well, if everyone at the meeting pretty much felt that he was going to sign with an American League team because they have a DH, I think I'm going to trust those guys. So, Tawny, I think he might be booed when the Angels come to Dodger Stadium this year. Might. He will. Now let's get into the left field competition in the Dodgers spring training. When I first started talking about this, I said Matt Kemp's going to get the most opportunities. Came into spring training 40 pounds less than he finished at the end of last year. One of the Dodgers fan favorites. They were going to put him out there as much as they could to showcase him to another team or to have this guy prove to them he can be the starting left fielder on opening day when Madison Bumgarner takes the mound for the Giants. And that's exactly what he's doing. Matt Kemp has three homers, six ribbies. He's hitting 333 this spring. I think it's ball game. He will be the opening day starting left fielder for the Dodgers. Now I had Peterson behind him. Peterson, I thought he was going to come into spring more motivated than ever, more confident than other ever after that World Series appearance. And it has been the complete opposite. He has 25 at-bats. He struck out eight times. He's batting 160, 192 on base, 240 slugging. When this guy came up to the big leagues, one of the best assets he had was his eye at the plate. He could draw a walk with the best of them. And he can't find a way to get on base this spring at all. And you know who can? Andrew Tolles, who I think has leaped him in this competition. And is right behind Kemp and will find a way to make that opening day roster as the reserve left fielder. Tolles, got seven ribbies, second on the team. Two homers. Batting 350, 348 on base. Slugging 750. And he's got an OPS of over 1,000. His 20 at-bats, same as Matt Kemp currently. Those guys are right on the same level. Andrew Tolles, the biggest thing I took from him, 
This weekend in a game, the guy tripled and looked like he hadn't lost a damn step. If you're a Dodger fan, you're 10 times more confident in Andrew Tolles than Jock Peterson with the game on the line. And Andrew Tolles is faster. Maybe in left field, left field might be better defensively. I think Jock's a terrific center fielder. Well, when it comes to left field, him and Tolles might be on the same level. So I believe it's Matt Kemp, Andrew Tolles. Jock Peterson still is ahead of, by performance, and Alex Verdugo is absolutely balling. It was made a big deal when he came out before spring training even started and said it's his job to lose. He's playing like it. He's hitting 381. His on base is over 400. And his OPS is over 1,000. Five ribbies. He's got two bombs. And he brings the swagger to the table. And if we're talking defensively, he's the best out of all three of them. So it's Kemp, Tolls, Peterson. Peterson's got to do something. I'm not saying it's out of the question that he's not going to be that on that opening day roster. But if it's between him and Andrew Tolls, which I believe it is, Tolls has the lead on him, and Peterson better pick it up in these next two weeks or he's going to be starting opening day on the minor league roster in Oklahoma City trying to fix once again that swing. So that's how the left field competition is playing out right now. I want to get into the NL West. Toughest division, hands down. They had the two wild cards last year in Arizona and Colorado. And I got the over-unders right here. Over-under is one of my favorite things. I'm not a betting man. Maybe I am. And maybe I will bet on these. But I'm going to call my shots right now. Let's start with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Maybe one of the biggest losses in the offseason of any team was Arizona losing out on J.D. Martinez. Apparently they got close, but he ended up going to Boston. Huge loss for the Arizona Diamondbacks. A couple days later, they signed Steven Souza Jr., I can't tell you much about Steven Sousa Jr. He played for the Tampa Bay Rays. When was the last time they had a nationally televised game? God, I don't know. In high school, I watched a nationally televised game, actually, with Tampa Bay and Matt Garza through a no-hitter. I know that's a random fact, but I told myself after school one day, I was tired as hell, and I said, I'm not going to sleep until Matt Garza gives up a hit. No-hitter, perfect games are my favorite thing in all the sports. I want to be at one live, never have. So I told myself, don't go to sleep until Matt Garza th- gives up a hit. He ended up throwing a no-hitter. So that's just a tidbit of the last time I saw Tampa Bay play a nationally televised game. I fought through that, and I saw Garza throw a no-hitter. Anyways, I think Arizona still is playing for second. Every team in this division is playing for second. I believe they're going to come in second again. The one-two punch of Ray and Granke is the most important thing you have to have in baseball across the board. It's a one-two punch. I don't care what happened in the postseason last year, how much teams value the bullpen these days. You have to have a one-two punch at the top of your rotation, and that's why I'm favoring the Diamondbacks over the Rockies still. And poor Paul Goldschmidt. He was probably in heaven 
last year when J.D. Martinez was protecting him. Maybe the most underrated player in baseball history is Paul Goldschmidt. He gets talked about by Dodger fans more than probably Arizona Diamondbacks fans because we know he kills the Dodgers. Has one of the highest batting averages at Dodger Stadium from opposing player in history. They're over-under set at 85.5. Last year, they went 93-69. and 69, And I'm going to go with over. I'm going to go the over on 85.5. They will get one of the wild card spots in the National League. Let's move on to the Colorado Rockies. We know what they did this offseason. They saw where the trend was going. So they paid Wade Davis, brought in Brian Shaw to add to their bullpen. Jake McGee's in there. It's, it's a good bullpen. You also still have to pitch at Coors Field. That's the biggest knock about that place. As a pitcher, it's the toughest place to throw a baseball. All you have to do is look at Clayton Kershaw's career ERA there. It's four and a half or even worse than that. That's bizarre. And they don't have the pitching. Their ace is John Gray. They have Chad Bettis. Kyle Freeland pitched well against the Dodgers last year in the first month of the season. I can't trust that staff. As great as the bullpen will be, they went out and got Greg Holland last year, and he was the biggest success out of the bullpen in the league last year. I think he finished with the second most saves behind Kenley Jansen. So you can succeed in the bullpen there, but you also have to get to that bullpen. And with that staff, I don't see an ace. And this is another team. It's the same way I feel about the Angels. Can you get to the playoffs so we could see Mike Trout in the playoffs? I feel the same way about Nolan Arenado. We saw him in the one-game playoff last year. It was a tease. He's going to hit 40, drive in 120 every single year. These guys' batting average is going to be higher and higher each year. It's the course field effect. DJ LeMayhew, their second baseman. I mean, that guy, he won one batting title. Have you heard of him? No. I do love their lineup, though. Blackman, Arenado. I like their lineup more than I do the Arizona Diamondbacks lineup, but it goes back to pitching. One-two punch, they don't have it. They're over-under a set at 82 wins. I'm going to go over. But I don't see them winning as many games as Arizona. And why doesn't a team like Colorado go out and get Jake Arrieta? Go out and get the ace pitcher. Because when you have to play in that one-game playoff, I kind of want a guy with experience that Jake Arrieta has. Former Cy Young winner, won a World Series with the Cubs. You want that guy. That one-game playoff was in Arizona last year. Not a great pitcher's park. Better than Coors. And imagine if you have a guy like Jake Arrieta to pitch in that game with the back end of your bullpen. They're going over. I hope they get a wild card spot so Arenado can possibly play in a five-game series if they win that one. We're moving on to the San Francisco Giants, folks. This could absolutely be a dumpster fire, and I couldn't be happier about it. They added Andrew McCutcheon, Evan Longoria, both on the wrong side of 30. Huge names. They're going to be hoping these guys can return 
to the form when they put the team like Tampa Bay on their back, Evan Longoria, and when McCutcheon had Pittsburgh on his back. That's a tough ask. Their lineup on paper looks pretty good. Brandon Crawford, Panic, Posey, Pence. Too many question marks for me. Madison Bumgarner, Jeff Samarja, Cueto. That's a good three. I, give me Arizona's Robbie Ray and Zach Greinke over those three. We haven't seen Bumgarner pitch in a year. Or at least that's what it feels like. There's no player I love to hate more. This year, on this podcast, you might hear me talk a little shit on Madison Bumgarner. He's just fun to hate. He's really fun to hate. And he gave us that bait last year, falling off the motorcycle in Colorado on an off day when the Giants were playing the Rockies. And to this day, if this Giants team fails, guess whose fault it's going to be? Madison Bumgarner. That was the start of this team tanking. Last year, those 68 wins looked beautiful. Dodgers 50 games ahead of them. You'll never see that again. Giants over-under set at 80 and 81 and a half wins. That's when I'm taking the under. You might see the San Francisco Giants sell off more than half their team if they're not in the running for a postseason spot. They'll sell off Longoria. They'll sell off McCutcheon. Geez, they had the worst bullpen last year. What'd they do to shore that thing up? They added Tony Watson. He was a big play for the Dodgers in the postseason. We also had Kenley Jansen and Brandon Morrow, who were 10 times the talent of that guy. I don't think Tony Watson's going to go out there and throw two innings for you. The problems are still there. These players aren't getting any younger. Don't be surprised if the trade block has Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja, Longoria, McCutcheon, Pence. They might, they're they're going to they're gonna sell everyone. Maybe except Madison Bumgarner, considered a legacy player. Yeah, we know his history. I'm not even going to talk about it on this podcast ever. I don't care about that guy's accolades. Do I think they'll finish third in the NL West? No, that's my bold prediction for this division. I loved the San Diego Padres going out and getting Eric Cosmer. People freaking out. Eight years for this guy? He's 30-something years old. Are you kidding me? Something has to be said for culture. This guy was the face of the Kansas City Royals franchise. No team was worse. No team was more irrelevant in the American League. And Kansas City rose to the top with good prospects that came up together and a guy like Eric Cosmer to lead the way. And he was the leader. That team was fun to watch and everyone liked him. I can't say a negative thing about the Kansas City Royals. They should have beat the Giants the first year. Damn it, if they just sent Alex Gordon home on that last play, he could have had an inside-the-park home run, make Brandon Crawford make a perfect throw to get him out. Game seven. That should have happened. Damn, rooting against the Giants is so fun. I was pissed about the outcome. But Will Myers, 
and Eric Cosmer in the middle of that lineup, I like. Pitching. I, I don't I can't tell you one thing about this pitching staff. Clayton Richard, this might be his fifth stint on the San Diego Padres. He's their ace. Colin Ray. Who else? Paradomo. Love saying that name. I don't I don't even the only way I know these players' names is if I play MLB the show long enough. But San Diego could be in the same position of the Kansas City Royals. Now, I'm not going as far as saying they'll win a World Series anytime soon. But they got a lot of top prospects coming up playing together. They got a guy named Luis Urias and Fernando Tatis Jr. as their middle infield coming up together. They might get some time this year. But the fact that they're, like the Royals, have players coming up together, and these guys are top 20, top 10 prospects in all of baseball. That's beautiful. Their bullpen, they got Brad Hand. We know he's on the trading block every year. He's pretty filthy. It's their lone all-star. They're over under set at 69 and a half. And I'm going over, and I'm seeing the San Diego Padres for the second year in a row will finish with a better record than the Giants. The Giants will finish in last. And they will be trading everyone by the All-Star break or shortly after. That's my bold prediction for the NL West. Dodgers will win it for the sixth straight year. You better believe it. No, I'm not biased. Look at the Giants lineup. Tell me they're not old and aging. And they're going to have a fire sale. Book it. Write it down. You better believe it. And that is it. For the fourth edition of the 10 After 7 podcast with Michael Cody Stevenson. You could follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'll be on later next week. Woo! Go Dodgers.